saw that was you. That's, that's where you are. You're, you're, you're about to really. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. But you know, one of the things that really is important about facilitating revival is you have to take risks. You have to be willing to step out of where the comfort zones are. And you have to always kind of govern yourself to, to, to I mean, there are times to, to be wise and stay in, in the lane, so to speak. But you got to really kind of decide that you're going to take risks and step out and, and not play it so safe. There are so many folks that I know in ministry that really the routine of their life, it's not that they don't know a whole lot of things. And you could know a whole lot of things, but they always play it safe. I had somebody tell me that's very dear to me, and they're in ministry and have been for nearly as long as Tammy and I have. And they, they just uh, were talking to us about the Spirit of God moving in our church one time at a minister's conference. And they said, well, we just really are nervous about those kinds of things. We just, we just don't want to get deceived. And so what they were saying was, is they're saying we would rather not experiment in the things of God and learn a few things than, uh, than, than, than you know, we, we would rather just stay where we are. And, you know, you're not going to really make it good if that's what your attitude is towards a believer. Now, you're here in a morning service, so I know that, you know, you're, I'm preaching to the choir. So you guys, y'all are, y'all are, you know, you're hungry enough to step out of the boat on a Tuesday morning and come. So praise God. And I want you to look at somebody next to you and say, I want more. How about you? You know, the thing about, about having the things of God is that there's not a, there really is not a, a, a limit. God doesn't say, you know, you're only going to get this much. I've given you this much. And we kind of had that attitude about it. We think like the, the way the graces work in us and the differences of the graces that work in us means that God puts limits on how the flow of his spirit is supposed to work. Uh, but that's not true. That is, that is not the way you need to comprehend the way that the gifts and graces work in your life. But you always need to have an attitude that I want to step out of the boat. I want to take some risks. I want to, I want to learn about this thing. That's one thing is about the way that I feel about the anointing and revival and gifts of the spirit and, and fivefold ministry and all the other things that come along with it. I, I just never had an attitude that I'm so scared of it that I won't touch it. I mean, I am like that spiritual kid that the stove is hot and mom says, don't touch it. I'm going to touch it anyway. As I, I got to figure out, I have to have an experience. I have to, I have to know. I don't want, I don't want just book learning about the thing. I just, I really want to experience what these things are really about. I don't believe we're that kind of a generation where we have, we can sit back and just respond to, to preaching by saying amen. I think that we need to say yes and amen and get up and pick it up and say, now, now this is my toy and I need to learn to play with this myself and figure out how this works in my life. You know, I got into this room and, and some things kind of shuffled around inside of me and this verse of scripture that I don't even have on my list come up from 1 Corinthians chapter 12. In verse 1, Paul says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. I do not want you to be ignorant. Ignorance is lack of knowledge. And we know that the knowledge here is not book learning knowledge. The knowledge here is experiential knowledge. Everybody say experiential knowledge. Experiential knowledge means that I take the information that I have and I start processing this 
into Revelation. You know, information dies in so many hearts of believers because they never process this. There is a process going on inside of you all the time where God is sowing these little seeds of revelation or little seeds of information to you, and what you do with those will determine what your tomorrow looks like. If you'll take that information and begin to play with it, begin to uh, see what that's about, begin to let that grow inside of you, it's, it's meant to turn into something that will shape your life. And there's a lot of things I think about our generation that I get troubled by, deeply troubled. And, and, you know, it used to not be like some of the things that we're dealing with. In one way, we're so much better than we were. In another way, we're kind of getting caught up in the culture so much. You know, I, I would tell you this on your Facebook and stuff. Uh, you know, I just really had to kind of take a break from some things on Facebook because it's like there's a, a weird mentality in the upcoming generation that we're always struggling, we're always hurting, we're always suffering, we're always jacked up and can't get over it. And that attitude is bleeding into our spiritual walk. And I do understand that there are some bad things that people are going through. There are some bad things that people are going through. In fact, we all go through bad things at times. But we have to get an, get an idea that God will bring me out of that situation and God has an answer for me. And what am I talking about? You know, God gave me a picture a number of years ago about how James said that the, little, that the tongue is like a rudder of a, of a ship and, it, and the ship is turned by that little bitty rudder. Well, you know, here's the deal. Lots of Holy Ghost believers I see putting their sails up to catch the wind of the Holy Ghost, but they won't affect that tongue. And so they're wanting, they're wanting the Spirit of God to do something, but they'll never learn to cooperate with Him. So they're kind of fighting the system, you know. The rudder needs to change. The rudder needs to change. Because God's still God. I don't want you to be ignorant of spiritual gifts. I don't want you to be ignorant of the spirituals or really the Holy Ghost things. The Holy Ghost things. Don't be ignorant of the... Play with them. Know that God wants to talk to you. Know that God's got you in school and you need to stay in school. You need to have an attitude as a Christian that I don't know everything. I do know what I know, and that's important, but I'm going somewhere, and so to my tomorrow is going to change because I'm going to pay attention. Amen. I'm going to learn. The, I'm going to incline. Man, I'm going to tell you, in this generation, those verses of the Scripture mean so much more to me that we learned years ago than, than ever. It's, you know, things like, you know, incline thy heart unto my sayings. Well, we live in a generation of recline instead of incline. They want, you know, I, I shared this at church the other day. You know, I, 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 years ago I heard Ken Copeland say this. Uh, he said that he was preaching this uh, conference and, and he was, there was a lot of people there, and he was up there beginning to speak. He was trying to catch a hold of, uh, of that, that, that flow. And, and in the middle of all of that attention that was going on into what he was trying to do, there was this woman that comes coming through the back door, and she comes through making all kinds of noise, and she's got a big old tub of popcorn under one arm, and she's got a big old giant soda pop in the other, and she's trying to hold on to something else, and she comes waddling all the way up to the front and sits down on the front row, kind of working herself in and starts feeding herself the popcorn. And he said, right then I realized something's wrong with this picture. And, you know, I think that that kind of can be the, the generation that we have if we're not careful, where we like to... 
to watch rather than participate. Now, I believe I'm in a church that loves to participate. You guys, you guys get it done. Amen. And I love it. I, get, I try to challenge my people who are very hardworking people, but uh, we don't want to be spectators. We, we don't want to just come and hear something good. We want to hear something that's going to be able to be played with later, I mean, where we can experiment with that and learn to grow in that. Praise the Lord. So that's kind of a preamble to, to this kind of a side note for you. But I want you to know I love you. Tammy and I are so proud to be here and be a part of this church, be a part of what you guys are about watching your journey. I'm excited. I knew that y'all were going to get in this building. I, I didn't see this particular building, but I knew that Winter's Church had a building. And uh, I'm going to tell you, it, it's, it's a game changer for you. It's a game changer. You know, there's a, there's a place that's your own. You know, I mean, it's, there's, there's, there's times to wander. There's times to like, okay, well, this is a temp. We're just in this moment for right now, and we're going somewhere. But then there's a place where you land, and the anointing comes on that place. And, you know, God anoints places like he anoints people. He does anoint places. And, and God is, has strategically decided to set the stage for something to happen now that he's got you into this building. Hallelujah. So the best is yet to come. Amen. Some people believe it's over, but I don't believe that. I believe the best. I believe God saves the best for the last. I believe that this generation is meant to be that generation that is best. Amen. We can handle the stuff. People worry all the time about the end time stuff. I don't know, y'all. You know, I, I studied all that stuff. I, I know a little bit about that. I, I can't say that, you know, I hold to all the charts and the graphs that people have on all that stuff. But, you know, people like, oh, aren't you worried that this? I've never been worried about it. I mean, I have never been worried that it's the end. Uh, I, I get excited about it. It's like, okay, I, I'm made for it. I don't know about you, but I feel like I'm made for the time that I'm living in. I'm made, I'm made to live through the time of coronavirus so we can resist it. We're supposed to resist it. Amen. Yeah, so what? It touched you. So you know what? You're going to get over it. You're going to get through it. You're going to come out the other side. And we have to be careful about listening because I hope I'm not uh, offending anybody here. But, you know, we have to be very careful. In our hometown, one of our neighbor churches lost several people. And so then that salts the whole attitude of, oh. And it's like if you're not careful, you're so focused on, on that that you, you're, you're living in fear. And that's the worst recipe for living in victory. So John chapter 3, verse 3, let me share that twice the Lord uh, told us, uh, get up there, um, told me supernaturally in two dreams to come. I don't know if he knew that there was going to be some obstacles to try to prevent us from coming, but, uh, but we, I, I told Tammy, we got to get up there. And, and I'm going to tell you, he, these are the things he's sharing with me. John chapter 3, verse 3, anybody ever heard of this passage of Scripture? Jesus said unto them, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Everybody say, thank God I'm born again. Some people try and change that language already. I don't like to change the language of born again. I think born again means born again. That means something happened to you. <laughs> you know, it's interesting, John Wesley the founder of the Methodist Church, 
in, in the history of his life, he, uh, him and his brother Charles traveled around and preached all over the place, wrestling over that scripture. Because in his day, that meant turn over a new leaf and be a good person. Stop being evil and be, start being good and being a benefit to society and all of those things. And that's basically what the church preached. And so he was wrestling with that because the Holy Ghost was dealing with him. He preached a long time before he ever was saved. But one day it happened, and he realized this is a supernatural spiritual experience, and God moved in. And, boy, that was a game changer then. Boy, they were running him out of town after that. They, they wouldn't let him preach in the churches after that because, man, he messed with the sacred cow that was sending them all to hell. But, but I want you to understand that, that this passage of Scripture, even though there's a lot of good messages about being saved, there's a lot more going on with this passage than that. One of them, to, to really be honest with you, is that he's talking to you about now that you get saved, you need to know where you're going. You're saved, you get born again. Unless a man's born again, he can't see. So it means now that I'm a Christian, I have faculties that are in operation. I have never, since I've been a spirit-baptized Christian, had trouble uh, seeing and hearing in the Spirit. And it's not because of the fivefold gift of being a pastor. It's not anything to do with that. It's being a Christian, and there's all of a sudden the ability to start seeing that God has, has things on the other side of this place called being saved. So I'm saying all this to try to, try to help you set up, get, set up for something I want to talk about here. Unless the one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So there's this, this thing that is turned loose in you when you get born again that you need to not be afraid of, you need to learn to work with. And that's all part and parcel to church life. One of the most basic things about church is that you're connected to people around you who already know this kind of thing, and they know what's happening in you, and they can help school you, steer you, correct you, adjust you, and the things that you think you're seeing and how you're seeing that. But it goes along with all of us. You should expect God to show you things. You should expect the Word to come alive. You should expect that I see things that are going on to help uh, my pastor pray so that I can get on board and I can support. You know, a number of years ago, Pastor Tom, you know Pastor Tom Springer, you all know him? A number of years ago, uh, this is a good example uh, of, of some of this. Um, he and his uh, first wife, Beverly, he, uh, they were, I didn't know this, I'm, I'm at home in, in, in Atlanta, Texas, and I go over to the kitchen and I'm getting a drink of water. I was real thirsty, I got a drink of water, and I'm starting to tip that glass back. It's in the afternoon, probably 4 o'clock in the afternoon. And all of a sudden, I have this flash that just shoots through my brain of them in a head-on collision being killed. And I just, I mean, it was so shocking that I just set the glass down, and I immediately went and began to pray and rebuke the enemy. And, of course, you know, I'm trying to process what's happened because this is not natural. This was supernatural. And, and, you know, your natural man wrestles with supernatural things. And so, but I know enough to know that, okay, I need to, I need to, to pray because even, 
you know, this is the devil's strategy to try to take out my pastor. So I just began to pray, and it wasn't two hours later I get a phone call from their son that they were in a head-on collision, and they were struggling, but they weren't dead. And they did. They came out of that. Well, what is that? You know, some people call that a vision and all that. It could be a vision, but it's the seeing. Once you're born again, your eyes get open to things. You should expect that as you raise your children, God will show you things that they won't be able to get away with a thing. Because the Holy Ghost talks to you. I knew things about my kids that there was no physical evidence whatsoever that they were a part of. I knew this about my son. My son's doing this. And we, I laid to bed one night. Tammy, Justin's doing this. I don't know. I hadn't seen anything. I don't think so. Uh, he's doing that. The Holy Ghost says he's doing that. And sure enough, later on, he was doing that. You know, I'll tell you something about your kids. At some point, they'll, they'll, you know, they'll decide to declare their independence. But the, but the reason God revealed that is because God's going to bring them through that. Amen. Hallelujah. So anyway, I want to talk to you about this seeing part of this, this element, these faculties that, that God opens up inside of you. And I want to use uh, some words to describe this, this process that you need to exercise in your life, developing what's going on. I love getting to places instantly, but I found that there, those, are, those, are, those do happen. But the most of it, we live daily. We live daily. We exercise ourselves daily. And, uh, and because of that, you gotta got to pace what things are going up. Sometimes I feel like the supernatural moments of arrival were actually God just bumping me along so that I would uh, catch up because sometimes I'm slow and sometimes I don't go the same pace that God wants me to go. But he'll bump me up. But there's a process going on that we should always participate in. That's the development. I apologize. Somebody's trying to call me. Can you believe that in the middle of my sermon? I bet it was Rachel from card services. Huh? I just love that meme, that meme of uh, Star Trek, Captain uh, Kirk and Spock, and they're out in deep space, and O'Hara is saying, hey, there's a telecommunication coming in from deep space. Put it on. And it was Rachel from card services reaching them about their warranty. So once you're born again, you begin to see the kingdom. You begin to see the kingdom. Now, really, that's the baptism in the Holy Ghost. It is the baptism in the Holy Spirit. It's the place where God rules you. Always remember this, and I've been, been spending quite a few t- little time on this at home. But remember this, is that the children of Israel got delivered out of Egypt. God took them through the wilderness to a place called Sinai where they received the Old Testament law. Christians are no different than that. The only difference is, is that's not the same covenant. We got delivered at Calvary, and we're taken to a new place where a new law is, and it's called the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. That Pentecost is our new Sinai. It's the new place for you and I, and we learn to live under that law. God wants to write that law on the tablet of our heart and the tablet of our mind, He wants to govern us in a completely different way than external law. He wants to start writing inside of us, and he needs us to begin to see. So this whole thing that we do with uh, Shandai, Randai, Shoot the Pecan Down, and all the charismatic Pentecostal stuff that we do, it has, (laughs) 
It, ha it, has, <laughs> it has a different, a different thing. It's, more, it's, it's so much deeper than just the, the, the things that we're doing that, we've become, that become traditions. It's all a part of that cooperation where God's able to work with me. I'm going to tell you something. One of, one of the best places you can possibly be is in a spirit-filled, alive church. And one of the most dangerous places you can be is in a spirit-filled and alive church. It all depends on your response to it. Your response to that can, uh, can determine your future. And I'm going to tell you something. It will also determine your future of your children. Because you can raise kids, and I've raised kids in a church that was Holy Ghost all the way. Raised kids in the midst of that and watched them come to places in their life that they start deciding, uh, maybe I don't want to do that. Maybe something's wrong with my parents. Maybe something's wrong here, and I don't know it because I don't know anything else. And they start experimenting, but here's the deal. They, my kids, eventually, they came back around and now we're all right in the middle of the thing together. They serve the Lord with me together, Tammy, and, and, and we're so thrilled about that. We watch them make their own choices that, yes, that's the best thing for me. So they've, they've decided to come up under that place where God's riding upon their, their heart. And I watch Christians in my church, and I've determined, Tammy and I have determined a long time ago, we're going to be this kind of people that we're going to let God work with us. Because when I started years ago and where I'm at today, I see things, many things, the same thing I'm looking at, but I see it completely differently. I'm seeing the value of it where I didn't see value before, and there's a lot of things that I thought were valuable that I've thrown out since that time. And so that's part of that developmental process that God wants to bring you through. So let me give you a couple, uh, some words here to think about this seeing the kingdom idea. One of them is called perception. Everybody say perception. One of the things that happens is you begin to get challenged in your perception. The perception is your attaining of understanding or comprehension or the capacity you have for it. When you have perception, you're seeing uh, as a result of what it is you understand. So when you have perception, your understanding is playing into this. And when you're younger in the Lord, you, you, you can see things, and, and, and that comes with being a spirit-filled child of God, born again, alive to God. But this is why you need to be around people that, that, that have walked in this thing a while, and, and you, you, you see how their experience is playing out, and they're not letting go of the plow. There's a lot of people, they let go of the plow somewhere along the way, and they, they, they morph into a, a shape that's more culture-based than it is spirit-birthed. And, uh, and so there's a lot of people that have good preaching, good teaching, but they don't carry the thing that God started in their life. But you want to have your perception challenged, the ability to understand or comprehend and this capacity you have for it. See, here's the thing about... Uh, about your understanding. You can only see really as far as you can understand. You really can only see as far as you can understand. And that's why some of us, we're looking closer to the ground in front of us, making sure of our next step. But then as you grow, you begin to understand a different way. 
When I was a younger Christian, my whole existence was about don't sin, don't sin, don't sin, don't sin, don't just don't sin, don't. And everything was about making the decision so I didn't sin. Well, you know what? I don't worry about that anymore. Now, I worry, I don't, I'm not going to be living in sin, but I'm not worried about stumbling. You know what? God, there was a moment where God began to say, is that, is that where you think our relationship is? I mean, it was like a revelation to me to begin to understand the creation story and how man was put in the garden and see it from a different viewpoint. I mean, I used to see it all about sin. Everything's about sin. The world is about sin. Everything's just about sin. And then God just began to say, well, wasn't there another point to the, to the making of man and putting him in the garden to begin with? Sin was like a sour note that was added in. It wasn't a part of the plan. It was part of something I had to fix. And so it was like, wait a minute. You know, some Christians, that's where we are. And if that's where you are, that's where you are. But at some point, God wants you to lift your eyes. I'm going somewhere with it. He wants you to lift your eyes. And he does want you to understand you can be blessed and you should be blessed. He wants, you know, the, the, the redemption story which fixed sin brought about blessing with it. It brought about life. But you know, that's still not the highest place. Just because I'm blessed doesn't mean I have the depth of what I need to have in God in the relationship that he's trying to bring me into. When, when you start understanding you're a real son and a daughter of the Most High, boy, it changes the direction of everything that you live for. Because a lot of Christians, they're living to get out of here. And we're not supposed to live to get out of here. We're, we're on assignment from there to here. And boy, when you start seeing that, boy, your, your perception is a completely different thing. You start realizing, wait a minute, coronavirus, yeah, it's around, it touched me, it affected me. However, it's going to get a bigger bloody nose than it gave me. You know, some people are afraid to talk like this, but I'm telling you, Rodney Howard Brown, boy, I, I've, I've, I've remembered, you know, he lost a daughter years ago to cystic fibrosis. And man, I mean, it was, it was definitely, I think it was Christmas Day or something like that. She passed away. They held her in her arms while she drew her last breath and died. And there was nothing anybody could do. They're trusting God for a miracle, but she died. And you know, his response after the family grieved is he came out and he said, you know what? He said, the devil's going to pay for that. And man, it was like, you know, I remember hearing that statement and going, oh, I don't know, you know, shudder. But it's like, you know, there's going, to be, there's going to be a million souls get coughed up because of that. And he began to preach like a rabid man. I mean, just wanting to win souls for Jesus every which way. And he's determined, you know, you're not going to strike at me and me not strike back. You know, that, that ch I'm telling you, when Christians get a hold of that kind of an attitude that we're treading on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy... It, it, it will change the effect that we have on the environment. You know, I think that many times Christians have that relationship with the devil to where they're afraid of him, they're running from him, they don't want him to overhear anything that they might, then they're boasting faith, faith confessions. 
I don't think we need to change our attitude. We're supposed to mow him down. We're supposed to affect the culture around us. We really are assigned to do that while we're here and occupy till he comes. Some people ask me, what are Christians supposed to be doing right now? Occupy. We're absolutely supposed to occupy till he comes. We're not holding out and hoping for the best. In fact, I'm going to tell you, my Bible tells me in Ephesians chapter 5 that when Jesus comes for the church, he's coming for a church that looks like the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, and it's a glorious church. And I'm telling you, I have things in my spirit about the glorious church that I believe is going to happen, signs and wonders that we've not seen in many years. You know, we learned back in the 90s in that revival that, that when Peter's shadow passed over people and they were healed, we learned that that wasn't the shadow from the sunlight hitting them. We learned that when the anointing was on him to that degree and that level, that anybody that got in that circle, they were zapped by the power of God. And I don't believe for a minute that Peter was out there trying to pray for anybody. He was just walking through. And the radiating power of God. That's what happened to little Mary when she conceived and, and, and had Jesus in her womb by the power of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says the Holy Spirit overshadowed her. I don't know about you. I want that stuff right there. I'm looking for that kind of a church. I'm looking for that kind of a church when the idols of Baal are all around us, that they get up in the morning and somebody has chopped them down and now people's minds are set free. I heard a theologian a long time ago say that 2 Corinthians chapter 10, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty in God to the pulling down of strongholds, was corporate. He said it wasn't just individual, it was corporate. He said we've made it individual, but it's really a corporate thing. That when the body of Christ gets a hold of right thinking about who they really are and their perception adjusts to where God says they really are and they get a hold of what God says belongs to them. We'll change things around us. Hallelujah. God's planted you here because there's a realm right here that's about to adjust the kingdom. There's things that are going to adjust. And, it's, and listen, the, the, the footprint sometimes is small, but the effects can be large. Winter's Church has got a much bigger effect when you put your foot down than you realize. So there's a perception, your capacity that allows you to know and understand the degree of your understanding. There's paradigm. Think about all these words. Perception, there's paradigm. Paradigm is the framework that's been established by a pattern. The framework that's been established by a pattern. And the pattern is generally what you've seen. The framework that's established by a pattern, paradigm. Everybody has a paradigm. And generally, it's the relying upon what our experience has told us. It's why you see a thing the way you see it. This is important to us because sometimes we're looking at things in our life that God has placed there. But we don't see the value yet. When I was a young man, I didn't see the value in certain things, but I see much more value now. I used to not see the value of church life at one time, but I've grown to see it much more now. I was more offended in my younger years, and because of those offenses, I wouldn't allow relationships to cultivate or build. 
because I've been burned too many times. It's amazing how that when you've been burned a bunch, you don't offer yourself as easily. And you miss God. When you do that, you miss God. Because when God wants to bless you, he sends you people. When the devil wants to curse you, he sends you people. <laughs> so why do you see a thing the way you see it? A paradigm is framed and it's formed by the experiences of your life. We see certain situations through filters. We call that paradigms. So I want you to check your filters and allow God to adjust them. It's really important in this transition period of Winter's Church, you're becoming established in your own land. You're becoming established in your place. The Spirit of God is going to settle upon you and has settled upon you as a people. And now the other side of the journey is unfolding itself. There's also the perspective. Now, some people don't separate all these words out, but they really do mean these things. Perceptions, paradigms, and then your perspective. It's the relation of the parts of the subject. It's how you not just see it, but it's how you put it all together and begin to apply it. It's often expressed through what's coming out of your mouth that we call opinions. Once you consider about your opinions, that you, you know, we all have them. But some of us should be very cautious about opinions coming out of our mouth all the time. And sometimes we're just looking at something that we don't want to go along with, don't want to agree with, and then we just say, well, that's just the way I see it. It could go wrong. I know that this church, like our church at home, there's always people that want to curse it. Or they want to frame it into some zone that they attended in the past and they got hurt while they were there. I got news for you that there's a very common statement that goes along with the culture today where people are out of church and won't have church anymore because the church hurt me. That's a lie. The church didn't hurt anybody. People in that church might have hurt you, but the church did not hurt you. And it's real important that when people bring that up, that we try to help them to heal instead of just agreeing with them that that's just the way it is. And it's happened to me too. It's important to be informed that just because that's how you see it, that's not how everybody else sees it. You realize that there's a lot of different color cars outside, a lot of different flavors of ice cream. Not everybody likes the same flavor of ice cream because we're all different in some areas. But our perspective, our perspective of how we put things together is an important thing to allow God to have. It's influenced by your attitude. Everybody say, it's important for me to have a good attitude. Joyce Meyer always said, your attitude determines your altitude. I believe that's very true. We can, we can be morning people with our coffee issues. And I love coffee, and I like to drink coffee in the morning and at noon and at night. 
Amen. I hope there's coffee in heaven. There's got to be. If there's a gravy boat in heaven, there's coffee in heaven. Amen. And the good thing about heaven, you don't have to go to sleep. Amen. So you can drink it all the time. Amen. I don't know if Starbucks will be there, but coffee will be there. Amen. But your attitudes that are bad produce flawed perspectives. When you have a bad attitude, you, you, you allow things that you should not allow. Your perspectives or how you're putting things together is like pieces of a puzzle that you never get together right. And some of us were looking at our life and we're knowing that there's some things here that I got to get together. I got to get it together. But the attitude is what is affecting this coming together in the way that God needs it to come together. Your attitude must be controlled by direction and not drama. Your attitude must be controlled by direction. Without a vision, people perish. And one of the translations says they cast off restraint, which means that they, they just let it all go. They let their life go. They just don't, they no longer, they're aimless. They're, they're, they're not functioning to their best because they don't really know where they're going anymore. Or they've decided to adjust the, their eyes off of the destination and now they're just kind of floating. So your attitude controls things like that. And so you and you got to let the purposes of your life begin to influence you to where drama is not a part of your life. Drama is everywhere right now. I think it's always been that way. Here's the thing about drama. You got to know this. Drama is the spirit of witchcraft. That's why television shows are just addicting people to drama. They're, it's like the cycle. Who who cares to get on a a program and watch people compete to try to date one girl or one guy. What is this? What is that? I'm looking at that and going, what is wrong with those people? That they would want to be a part of that, and even more so, it wouldn't exist if there wasn't an audience for it. Your attitude also must be controlled by purpose and not by your problems. So attitudes can be controlled by problems, and lots of people, lots of Christians allow this. You need to also be careful and be cautious about how you hook up with people. Now, I use that term in a Christian sense because we know the non-Christian sense is not what we're talking about here. Amen. People that you partner with, people that you covenant with, people that you hook up with, sometimes we're hooking up with people and taking a false sense of responsibility. Now listen, I believe in helping people, and I help people as a pastor. We help people individually. Tammy and I are very generous. We're very giving. But I'm telling you, one thing that I look for all the time is that when this person who's been in this condition for a long time sees me as their source, I'm cutting it off. I'm cutting it off right then. Is because they cannot see me as their source. They have to, 
My objective is I got to get them pointed where they see God as their source because that's really the problem. When Jesus was feeding the multitudes, he said something very profound. They said, well, what, what are you, when are you going to feed us again, Jesus? You, you know, Moses fed us with the manna in the wilderness. What are you going to do? And Jesus said, Moses did not give you that manna in the wilderness. My father did. And now he gives you this. And it was like change of perception, change of perspective. Change of paradigm. He meant that to adjust their attitude from just being a hanger-on to now understanding how this really works. Your attitude's got to be controlled by your purpose. Everybody say, I have a purpose. Listen, you got to relegate problems into their proper zones. Don't let attraction in these relationships that you build be the only determining factor in the relationship. Some people only go to church. I hate this because this is not Christian. This is not spiritual. This is not biblical. People all the time will get on TV and say, you should go to the church of your choice. That isn't true. That is not true at all. Uh, we've been told that so long. And it makes it feel like it's going through a drive-thru and ordering a hamburger and just adjusting the ingredients on that the way I want it. And God makes choices. You know, one of the things about the secrets of marriage that you should always understand if you're married or you're wanting to get married is that God made a choice for you. When God brought this woman into my life, God made a choice. And when God made a choice, I made the agreeing choice with God's choice and I learned to consistently do that, and that's what makes the relationship work. It works the same thing in church life. If you go to church long enough, guess what's going to happen to you? You are going to get your feelings hurt. You are going to feel neglected. You are going to feel like you're on the back burner at some point, sometime. You are going to find people that advance faster than you and go into places that you might. Well, I've been here 10 years, and they've not even put me there. And this person walks in the door, and it's almost like they stick them right in there. Are y'all okay? I, 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 see, Pastor Ziggy left, so I'm free. Amen. No. <laughs> I'm just messing with y'all. You have to understand that God makes a choice. And when God makes a choice, your roots down in that thing is what's producing something for the long haul. When you make a choice, they can't run you off. You know, I used to, when I got into church, I went to a spirit-filled church. I ended up pastoring seven years later, seven years from a, from a long-haired, heavy-metal, dope-smoking rebel who, just, who, who was determined I was going to bring Baptist influence in here. And, man, I went in there with all kinds of bad And they used to try to run me off. They would. I had one old woman who was on the, the she, they called it a worship team. It really wasn't like today at all, but. Jesus said, you know, you'd be better off finding another place. I don't think you fit here. And it, you know, it got more hostile over the, the course of a couple of years. And I just told her, I'm not going anywhere. I'm not going. God told me to come here, and I'm coming. And so if anybody goes, it's you. So get used to seeing me. 
And I had to fend off several of them like that. I'm not going anywhere. Some of them came to my house. Are you sure you wouldn't fit somewhere else better? No. I'll go where God says to go. And that's it. And I'm going to tell you, you got to have a kind of attitude like that. You have to have an attitude like that when you get your feelings hurt and you want to leave. Everything in you says leave, but it's your understanding, it's your perception, it's your paradigm, it's your purpose. And not being attached to all the other things that swing you this way and that way. You know, your soul and your, your emotions and all that stuff on the inside of you will drag you this way and that way because the wind affects that. But it's what's down in here that says, no, it ain't, that ain't the way that works. I'm going to hang with it. Because I found out this is that God is in the long-term things. God is in the long-term things. He's not, he's not uh, you know, I tell people in the church all the time where I pastor, I tell them, you know, you need to, you need to, you need to get committed on the level that God wants you to because God's committed to you. He loves you. He married you. And he means it. He's not, he's not a person that has shallow relationships, and God's not a fornicator. He ain't no fornicator. He's not just hopping from bed to bed to bed. Amen. No, God loves his people. And we should have that same kind of attitude for his house and his people and his purpose for our life. Winter's Church is heading into that season where you've transitioned from and I hate to use the term because it sounds, you know, terrible in one way, where, you're, where you've been in the wilderness, so to speak, and now you're arrived in your land. Hallelujah. So watch the, the ways that you get connected. And I'll tell you something about, now I know your pastors, they're, they're very open to, to wanting to apply new things. We're open like that too. But, you know, there are some things that mess with the vision. And you got to know that there will be people that will come in and go, hey, we can do it like this because they're doing it like this down there. And the moment I hear that, uh, it, it puts a check in me. I'm like, okay, is this going to mess with what God says, though, that we are and what we're doing? I'm not trying to be like them down the road. You're not trying to be like another church down the road. In fact, what makes you unique is the fact that you're not like the other churches down the road. You don't want to be like the other churches. Bless their hearts. Let them do what they're doing. God told them to do what they're doing. You do what God told you to do. And that's what will be successful in the eyes of God. Keep a good attitude. Let your perspectives adjust to a positive attitude, and it will open up a gamut of new possibilities because if you can't see it, you won't know to go there. But when you start seeing it, it will cause you to start moving that way. It's like them old comedies where the guy's riding the bicycle, but he keeps looking at the pole, and he's new at riding the bike, and so he runs into the pole because he keeps looking at the pole. Well, you don't want to look at the pole. You want to look that way and go that way in your life. Here's the deal. Start getting a, a positive attitude and a good perspective, a good perception about the world around you. Just because they're jacked up and they got problems and they say that they might not like you doesn't mean everybody doesn't like you. People used to come to me and say, Pastor, they're telling us that we're just a cult. And I said, well, who? 
Who said that? Well, this one person over here, oh, Lord of mercy. One person says we're a cult doesn't mean we're a cult. And just because a church that doesn't tongue talk down the road says we're a cult doesn't mean we're a cult. Y'all probably don't have to fight that so much up here in the metro, but that's what it's country, country church stuff. It's like, you know, you get this, this feeling like, oh, everybody. There's always that one person. They come, Pastor, everybody said, no, everybody's not saved. If somebody comes along you and says, you know, everybody's saying this, and then they want to know what you think about it, but you know instinctively that it's a cutting cross grain with what's going on in the leadership of your church, you need to ignore that. In fact, I just say, now you need to stop them and tell them, now wait a minute, everybody's not saying that. Because what they're doing is gathering an army so that they can lead the way to go to pastor and try to get something changed. <laughs> I'm way off of where I started. I mean, I, this, is not, this is not where I did it all going at all. Hallelujah. And, you know, here's the deal. Not everybody, this is, this is good stuff. Not everybody that, uh, that you will encounter, even though whatever negativity you've experienced before, not everybody's going to do you harm. You've got to get a positive attitude that not everybody is going to do me harm. Now, I'm not supposed to be hooked up in the same degree with everybody, but not everybody's going to do me harm. And, boy, when you get wounded, there are people that I pastor that I've been pastoring for a long time. God said this word over to us at Christian Fellowship Church this year. This is the year of the healing of the wound for us in our church. There are people that God is going to pull out of the ditch this year that they've been broken, hurt, and wounded for years. And so their filters are applied to everybody. I'm not committed to this church because they're going to hurt me. I know they're going to hurt me because the last people hurt me. And it's like that hinders them. And they're not able to go where God says that they're supposed to go. So again, our passage of Scripture, John chapter 3, verse 3, Jesus answered and said to them, or said to him, Nicodemus, the religious guy, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Please, I want you to stand to your feet. I'm supposed to pray over you today as we begin. Um, the Lord told me to pray over your filters to get started, to pray over your windshield. You know, one time years ago, I was uh, driving to church. It was summertime in July, and the country is a lot of bugs, lots of bugs. By the time I got to the church and got into the building, I was angry. I was just angry, didn't know why I was angry. Didn't leave the house angry. I was angry. I just had a bad, snappy attitude. Got into the pulpit, just let it rip. I went after everything and just did more damage. And after I'm done venting, and I'm on my way home. Of course, it's the summer. The sun was still shining, and I'm feeling kind of guilty by then. And the Lord starts dealing with me and says, what are you so angry at? And I said, I don't know. I don't know why I'm so angry. He said, would you just look at what you're driving through? And I'm looking, and I'm like, I don't understand. What, 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 what? I'm thinking I'm looking for something out there. And he said, your windshield. And then I realized in a moment that my windshield was literally covered in bug juice. And I was looking through little spots all over there driving through that bug juice. And he said, you just need to clean that window. 
And if you'll clean that window, it'll change everything about what, you, what you're fighting here. You're not fighting the devil. You're not fighting the people. You're not fighting life. You're fighting a dirty windshield. And I clean that windshield, and I, from that time on, I try to pay attention. That What am I trying to look through to see what it is I'm trying to see? When you're born again, you can see the kingdom of God. That's not the problem. The problem is all the other stuff that you're trying to look through while you're looking that way. So I want to pray for you today and ask the Lord to help you. And so if you would close your eyes, would you mind lifting up your hand? And if you'd pray in the Holy Ghost, would you kind of stir that up this morning in Jesus' name? Hallelujah. Come on, let's make it, let's make it known. Let's make it visible. Let's make it hearable come on come on come on come on oh thank you jesus Thank you, Father. Come on. Just, I, mean, I want you to stir it. I know it's a, but I want you to stir it just for a moment. Hallelujah. Now, Father God, I just ask you today, Lord, to begin to pour upon your people right now and begin to cleanse. Lord, as much as we understand, as much as we can, Lord, we offer up to you our windshield of life. Lord, we're offering up to you the perceptions, the paradigms, our perspectives, and we're asking you, have your way with them. Do with them as you will. Lord, I pray today that you begin to wash and to clean out of the way the things that we've been fighting and struggling with, but applying it in wrong ways. Lord, we are determined right now that a good attitude is going to be a part of our life, that we're going to get up every morning and we're going to get filled with the Holy Ghost and we're going to put on the Lord Jesus Christ and put off the old things that want to attach themselves to us today. Lord, on this wonderful January day as we begin this new year in this new place, Lord, it requires a new attitude. It requires a new way of seeing. Father, old things are in the past, and Lord, we are fond of those memories. And Lord, we learned in the struggle, but it is now a time for us to step forward and be. So, Father God, in the name of Jesus, Winners Church, the name is defining who we are, the name of a house of winners, a house of people who understand they've won and understand they're assigned and understand that they're placed strategically by God. Father God, cleanse the view and wash away all the bug stains and all the offenses of the past and all the experiences that we've been relying on wrongly to carry us toward our future. Lord, we're going to go out of this building today 
and we're going to look at this world around us and Lord there are a lot of people in this place they they know this place because they know things about this place they know more than the geography they know the culture they know the society they know how people are here and father we're determined as we go out today we're going to have a fresh outlook Lord, that we're going to forgive things that have offended us. Everybody say, I forgive it. And we're going to release the baggage of the past, and we're not going to carry it forward. We're leaving it right here today at the altar under the blood, and we're saying, God, thank you for a fresh outlook in my life. I believe I'm going somewhere. I believe God has a plan for me. God has made the way for me. Even where there has looked no way to be, there's a way that God has prepared for me. And Father, in Jesus' name, I pray that out of this group this morning, Lord, there'll come a seed that will influence and affect the rest of this church. Lord, that will shape them because our talk is going to be different. Our walk is going to be stronger. Lord, we're going to believe for more. We're going to trust you, not just for stuff either. We're going to trust you for destiny and purpose in our life. We're called to be a revival people. We're called to be a carrying people of the anointing of your glory. And so in the name of Jesus... In the name of Jesus. Somebody got a bad knee? Anybody got a bad knee? You got a bad knee? Praise God. Well, that's good. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. <laughs> With what? Thank you, Father. So, Father God, I just ask you, you believe you can do it? God, we pray right now in the name of Jesus for a new knee. Fix Ted's knee. In the name of Jesus. We pray, Almighty God. Lord, if the children of Israel in an inferior covenant, clothes and shoes didn't wear out, my God, Ted's knees can't wear out. <laughs> see in you, brother, I'm going to tell you right now, I see that the Holy Ghost is breathing a refreshing breath inside of you again. You're going to catch your breath again. <laughs> Look out, world, because here comes the second act of Ted. You've been tired. You've been weary. You have been tired, my brother. And I'm going to tell you, you know, there's, there's tired and there's weary. And they're two different things. Tired is physical. Weary is spiritual. And you know, if you let weary go too long, 
your faith. Hallelujah. And I see God breathing a fresh breath inside of you. You're catching your breath again. Oh, I rejoice with you, my friend. I'm telling you, you're going to see a different man here. You're going to see a different guy. A different guy. Lord, fix the knee. Is it just one or is it both of them? I know, that's why I asked. I'm like, I think, I think there might be more than one here. There better be. <laughs> Lord Jesus, fix these knees, I pray. Heal them. Put them back together. Grow them back together. Lord, cause them to be pain-free. Cushions, joint cartilage, all of this, Lord, fix it in Jesus' name. I pray over my brother right now. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for him. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Father, thank you, Jesus. Fix it. Fix it, God. Fix it. Yeah. Come on, stretch your hands out this way. Let's believe God together. Lord, we believe you. We believe you. We believe you. Do it. Do it. Sister, say, I'm getting better. Say it one more time. I'm getting better. <laughs> Hallelujah. Father, thank you so much for this man of God. Lord, I pray for every joint in his body to be well in Jesus' name. Lord, I ask you to draw out the pain. 
No more pain, difficulty, and mobility. But in the name of Jesus, Father God, we just ask you right now, Lord, through all the seasons of his life, you have preserved what you put in him. And Lord, you're using it now in such a dynamic way and a blessing. And Lord, the best is yet to come for him. He has not stepped into yet even uh, 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 another phase of where you're going to take him. Hallelujah. But it's coming very soon. In fact, I'm going to tell you, brother, there's another phase to this thing. And it will come and it will present. You'll step into it. Hallelujah. Because God will use it to take this place, take this team, take this ministry to a higher place. Hallelujah. He's been developing you and teaching you and training you. And there's some things that have frustrated you. But they were really all learning. It was all about understanding. Now you've been able to eat meat and spit out bones. And you've been able to understand and apply. And it's going to carry you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Don't be afraid to be a strong leader. Don't be afraid to say, I want this or I need that. Because uh, you're so easy to, to, to yield to the other gift. But it's, uh, it's important to know that when God put it in you, he put things in you. And it won't take away. It'll add to. It'll enhance. It'll make it soar. Hallelujah. I bless you, my brother. I pray healing over your entirety in Jesus' name. I pray healing over your entirety. Hallelujah. <laughs> the leaves all popping out all over the place. Amen. Hallelujah, Father. I pray in the name of Jesus. My God, I just about fell. Father, I pray over her in the name of Jesus, our dear friend, that the Holy Ghost <laughs> just with it's going to come a lot of things. With it's just going to come a lot of things. You're ready, though. You know what? There you weren't ready, and now you're ready. You, there were a lot. There were things that you were not. You, I mean, there were things that you want. There are things that you like. I would like to have. I I feel like I need, but it was like you weren't ready. But now you're ready. So I pray over her health, her body, and just ask you, Father God, to just work the things out in her physically. And I pray, whatever pains, they have to go. There's pains that have on the outside, and there's pains on the inside. And you know the pains on the inside hurt a lot worse than those on the outside. But Father, I thank you. You've been bruised. But you're not going to be bruised anymore. You were bruised to the point that you felt like you were internally deformed. You felt like you're, you're, and you know, I know that people don't like this kind of stuff anymore, but you felt like the way I see myself, it was affected. But you're not bruised anymore. You're not 
bruised. You know, the Bible says this, he was, he was bruised for our iniquities. You know, the best translation of that passage in Isaiah 53 is he was deformed for our deformities. So whatever didn't grow right, he'd fix it because he already bore it in the name of Jesus. And I declare over you, sister, you're ready. You are ready now. You are ready. to shade. sister coming forward right here. Praise the Lord. You, 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 you have bad knees? Wow. I'm just so surprised. All right. Well, let's, let's let God fix them. I, I heard it. I had no idea there was this many bad knees. But I think God did. <laughs> I can't even hardly believe this. Lord Jesus, I ask you to heal these knees is it one or two two okay so father in Jesus name we trust you to heal we trust you to restore we trust you to take away the pain and the difficulties Lord she needs to be mobile and Lord I'm asking you to fix it where it doesn't go out or or, or hinder her Lord, I pray that it's so healed that she not even have to think about it anymore. That it's so healed it never crosses her mind again. That she never has another day where it's sore and achy. She never has another day where it's difficult walking or running. Lord, I'm asking you, we're trusting you today. Fix this because I believe what you revealed, you healed. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Say this to Jesus. Say, I receive that, Lord. I believe I'm well. 
that. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You got bad knees? No, that's not it. Okay, I'll get it. Oh, you're here for something else. You just got hungry or something. So, Lord, I thank you for this man of God. I just pray over him in the name of Jesus Christ. And I ask you, Lord, to minister to him in Jesus' name. Lord, we just believe. Sometimes the road gets a little confusing. Sometimes life is like, okay, I'm, I'm trying to figure this out. But it's all right. You're, you're right on course. Stay on course. Stay on course. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord, I pray over him in the name of Jesus. For him to get filled and filled and filled and filled and filled. More Holy Ghost in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. 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 I just, I'm going to just tell you what. Um, I feel like the Lord's got your got you by the hand, and He's got you at a certain pace. But you're kind of wanting to go faster. And he's like, no, we got to go this pace. We got You're itching. You're itching to go faster. But see, in, the, in, that, in, that, in that place where, you, where your pace is set, there are things that you're, that you're making decisions on. And it's not a reach and grab everything off the shelves. It's it's you're learning, you're learning what works with you. Because there's so many things you can observe from, and you can you can like I like that. I, I would like to see that work, and you want to play with that. And it's good. It's not bad, but it's just the process though has to unfold itself where God is able to get across to you things that belong to you, so that. So that when your time comes, because this would have been your danger, if your time comes, you'll you'll have picked your lane and you'll drive it. See, right now, you won't, you wouldn't be able to, you you wouldn't drive the lane. You would you would veer off. And right now you're learning. You're in the process of learning what's going to work for you. And uh, you're you're learning how to let some things go. And you're learning how to bring some things in. There's a great maturing process that's going on in your life. And God's working. God's working. You're in the right place. Hallelujah. What's your name? Ethan, I know you. Hallelujah. Praise God. Well, Ethan, I love you. Is Ziggy's your pastor? No. Okay. 
yeah, okay. Well, wherever, wherever you, 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 you're, you're wanting to go faster, and you got to just kind of slow down a little bit, just, just pace, and just catch your stride. You know, there's a normal rhythm of life, and uh, you do better when you're in a rhythm of life. You don't do better when you're not in a good rhythm of life, when things are kind of uh, undetermined. telling you I'm seeing that as, as clear as I can that you you just got to just relax and just pace yourself a little bit and just say okay God I'm willing I'm willing in my season to go through this and be okay be all good because it won't be the only place that you're at there'll be change there'll be good change but you know you got a call on your life yeah are you in ministry necessity because you know we make decisions because we just gotta do it and it's like mm, not for you not for you you just be patient it won't be like that forever you won't have to do that forever <laughs> I love you brother Ethan God bless you praise the Lord well did I break mine hey there's Carolyn there's Carolyn the powerhouse We know you can care enough. I, 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 I believe, you know, this is how the Lord's framing it to me. But uh, you're like a kid walking down at Christmas time. I've seen a few movies lately at Christmas, especially the old time movies where little kids look at toys and they just smash their face up on that glass and they're looking in there and deforming their face all over the place. Well, that's what you've been doing. <laughs> you've been doing that. We're not going to miss our, you know, disappointment means I'll miss my next appointment. We're not going to miss our next, you got a lot of appointments. God's going to carry you across the finish line. You're going to live and thrive and grow. Even though the devil thinks he's got an upper hand, he don't have an upper hand. But you're a good woman. And God appointed you. You know, this place wouldn't be the same without you. This place would not be the same. This would not be Winner's Church as God wants it to be right now. That's that's where you are. So you be, you be, and be at peace. Learn to rest a little bit in Him. <laughs> Let me pray for you.
like Carolyn's sandwich. So, Father God, we pray over Carolyn today and ask you, Lord, that all the other things that are going on, Lord, we ask you to minister to her. Lord, I pray for life to have more sense. I'm praying for life to adjust and not be so hard. And I pray for her heart to hear the songs that you're singing over her, to hear the love that you have for her again, that her ears hear it. And Lord, you're just such a hungry soul. your finger at her and say, we declare victory. Man, only you can wear jeans like that and get away with it. It looks great. Boy, there used to be a lot of those when I was young. Man, it's like they're bringing them back. I wonder if they're going to bring disco back. I hope not. <laughs> Hallelujah. your hands on me. Okay, let's pray over it. Father, I just pray we ask you just to minister to Vicki today. Lord, we, we, we trusted for that clean windshield, that clean perception and perspective. And we declare in the name of Jesus, we're going to be able to get where we're supposed to get. We're going we're gonna to be able to get there a lot more easy than we've had the struggles in the past. I declare over this sister. Nikki, it's a new day. It's a new day. It's a new day. It's a brand new day. Boy, you did. Much wiser. declare something to you. You know, there's a there's a time coming in your life that the lights of the Lord that are shining off your ship will cause the many who know you to begin to move toward you. They just kind of watch and they're going, I'm not exactly sure she's got anything I don't have already. But you do. Your victory will be theirs. Your path will be theirs. The hole you made in the wall will be theirs. And they'll come. See, that's why the devil fights you so hard. And he fights you. He discourages you. He makes things break down. There's been a constant chronic attack of breakdown. 
and that's because the other people more than just you he wants to keep them from coming because he knows their eyes are watching you get looked at a lot more than you think you do carry that well say it, I'm going to make it, I'm going to make it, and I'm going to do well, because you are, in Jesus' name, hallelujah, praise God, oh, okay, I thought you was about to get up and say profound things, I thought you was really going to get up and prophesy, <laughs> hallelujah, I see the turning of a corner. Wow. I grabbed your hand. I saw the turning of a corner. And uh, I have no idea. Except that there's just a, a turn. There's a turn. It's a good thing. It's on track. It's on time. It's in the right season. Hallelujah. It's, it's going to make better sense. Praise God. Lord, I pray. Lord, have me pray over Pastor Annie and, and just minister to her as a pastor's wife who shares the ministry and
the evidence. It doesn't have to have that word. It doesn't have to have that
Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. What a great time in the Lord this morning. Um, I'm just going to be real quick. Um, come back tonight at 7 o'clock. Um, the one thing I, I think I will, it bears repeating. I know I've said this before, but I want you guys to remember that when we come to church, our natural man, we don't always see ourselves praising the Lord like this. But if you do close your eyes and you get in the spirit, what you see yourself doing, that's what you're supposed to be doing. That's really what we're, that's what we're called to do as Christians. Our natural man says, heck no, I'm not doing that. I'm not going to put, you know, uh, move my feet. I'm not going to dance. I'm not going to raise my hands. I'm not going to come up front. But that's what we need to do because that's what God's called us to do. So remember that when you come tonight, come expecting. And let's give God glory because he deserves it. Um, tonight we have Apostle Michael Smith. He is here. So um, come expecting tonight. And just like Pastor Ziggy says, before you leave, Love someone because you do. In Jesus' name, I release you guys. Amen.